0: Amen, praise the Lord, amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord today, amen. I know many other people rather watch football right now, that's a good thing I don't have a football team. Amen, amen. My sport doesn't, it's only Dodgers and Lakers, so to be part of this church, you have to root for the Lakers and the Dodgers. It is the only request, amen. In order to make it to heaven, you gotta be purple and gold and blue. Amen. And if you want, I can tell you biblically why he's got to be purple and gold and blue. Amen. Amen. But with that, I'm going to try to be um, short and quick and to the point. Um, we can go to 2 Kings um, chapter 4. We're going to read verse 1 and 7. Amen. I also want to thank this time to thank Pastor uh, for allowing me this privilege to bring forth the word of the Lord. Amen. Like I said, it is a privilege. Amen. I don't think it is a right that I have, man. but it's a privilege I take um, very serious and also want to thank co-pastor and the rest of the ministers as well um, for this opportunity. Um, so we have 2 Kings um, verse 1. We're going to be from verse 1 to verse 7, and it says as follows. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried to Elijah, saying, "'Your servant, my husband, is dead,' And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my sons to be his slaves. So Eliza said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons and then pour it into all these vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is no there is not another vessel. The oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Amen. Let us go for the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come for you at this time, my God. We ask you, Lord, to open up our hearts and our minds, God, to receive the word you have for us this afternoon, my God. Lord, you may use me, God, you may Lord, my lips with clay, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, you may take your seat. Um, with the help of the Lord, I, I want to speak on the on theme of um, the power of poor, man, the power of the poor, man, not P-O-O-R, not that type of poor, but P-O-U-R, man, this is a different type of poor, um, the power of poor, of the poor, um, but before that, um, I always joke around in my friendship group that I don't like to read, and which is kind of true and kind of not true. Um, I like to read, I always like to read sports articles, more or less, I don't like reading books that are 500 pages long and they're really, really thin uh, writing because it just takes forever and you fall asleep halfway through. Um, <clears throat> but I do enjoy reading. Um, and the reason is because sometimes you will, when, you cross, when you come across reading a book, you will find like a line or a sentence or a section that, that captivates you, that provokes some kind of emotion or some kind of thought process. Um, that's when I, was in, when I was in school, when I would take the metro um, to, to CSUN, um, I would take three trains and a bus to get there. And on the Orange Line, um, you guys know the value. You guys know the Orange Line. Um, they would always have you sit by the screen. They would always have a, a quarter of the day, and I always have my iPad with me. So every time we see a quarter of the day that I thought was cool, I would like write it down on my on the notes. And then on Facebook, I would post it, like, right. This would be cool. Like this like provocative thing, like a quarter of the day, right? And then and now at work. One of my coworkers, she has a chalkboard, and I will tell her, "Here, write this on there." And it's like a quote, and I think it's so cool, like to have these quotes that you can just recite that means something, right? Because we grew up and we understand that words have power. Words have a sense of meaning. They can change you. They can, and they can inspire people. That's when you hear speeches and stuff like that. They they inspire people. One of the things that I, one of my dreams is to give the State of the Union. I won't never run for president, but in the State of the Union, though. Every five minutes, every time the president says something, everyone stands up and claps and they're all happy, right? And it's because they have to, but it's like, it's just amazing Like you say something and everyone is chanting for you. And the reason why I'm saying this about, about, about the words and how it means, how there's an impact and everything has a meaning is because in this story, I'm pretty sure some of us have already read this story and know right how it ends and how God moved but it wasn't until I, I studied it and, and I paid attention line by line, sentence by sentence, the, the golden nuggets that were, in, that were in this section, that were in this story. And the first thing that we see, we see that there's, there's a woman that knows Elijah, right? Because when you see, when you're reading verse one, she knows him by name, but she calls out to him. And not only that, but she made it personal because she said, one of the prophets is dead. My husband, your prophet is dead, so there's a personal connection that she knows that she knows Elijah knows who her husband is, right? There is that personal, collect, personal connection that there's there, right? And now we find that she's in a great need, that she knows that there's a collector coming for her kids. I'm not a, I'm not a father yet, even though my whole family wants me to be one, um, but it's not time yet. Um, I could only imagine the fear of a parent to know that someone's about to take your kids. Right. I can only imagine the fear that someone has that they cannot sleep at night, knowing that someone's going to take your kids away from you. That, that's it. The kids you grew, the kids you bore, the kids you raised, they're going to be taken from you and not of your own will, not because you want to. Right. And, and she's in this great need and she and she's and she's troubled. And it's funny, though, because she tells Elijah, I need your help. Like they're going to take them from me. And the thing that's interesting, though, and I have three points in the first one, is you need to recognize what you already have. Because the way Elijah responds to her is very interesting. Because she's, right, the story goes back to the, she, has a, she has kids, she's in debt, they're going to take them away. Right, Elijah knew this. And yet Elijah still asked her, what do you need? And that to me, right, if, if you're very witty, you'll be like, well, what do you mean, what do I need? Like, you know what I, what I need, right? If someone says, I'm hungry, and then you ask them, well, what do you need? Like, well, they need food. Like, obviously, like, it's like, that's the problem. And Elijah asks her, what do you need? Right? And then to her, it must have baffled her. What do, you, what do you think I need? I need something to pay off the debt. And yet Elijah has the, the audacity to ask her what she needs. But then Elijah kind cuts of cuts her off. And he asks her with another question. And he asks her, what do you have? And this is where everything about perspective comes into place and how our mind works. Because if you notice her response was, "I have nothing." Right? Elijah asked her, "What do, what do you need?" And they said, "Well, what do you have?" Right? Those are two questions Elijah asked. And her first and the response she gives is, "I have nothing." And then the, later on in the sentence and the verses, "But a jar of oil." So it wasn't, "I have a jar of oil." It was, I have nothing but a jar of oil. And it all comes back to we have to understand and come to the realization that sometimes we ask God to do things in our lives thinking that we have nothing to offer, thinking that there really is nothing that we have of value. But God is asking you, what do you have? Right? Because God isn't asking your the prophet wasn't asking this woman what she has just for fun, just to see what she could come up with. Because he knew what she had was more than enough of what was about to happen. Because see, when we look back in, in Exodus, when we look back when Jesus, when God called Moses, he told Moses, what is in your hand? What do you have? Because Moses, when he's about to deliver the people of Israel, he said, what do I tell the people when, they, when I come to them and, and ask them, who sent me? Tell them, I has sent you. And then he asked, then he told Moses, what do you have? He didn't require Moses to go out and find something he did not have. You see, when God, be, when God will begin to use you, he won't ask you to do something you are not more than capable of doing. Something that is not within your realm of, of reaching. It is something that you already have. The problem is that we do not recognize what we already have. And that's what happened with Moses. He asked Moses, what do you have? And all Moses had looked at his hand, to have a stick have a staff. That was the most powerful stick you ever seen in the history of the world because with that rod and that staff that he had, he opened the Red Sea. And, and it's all because of, he recognized of what he had. And that's the thing that we find in, 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 this, in this story, is that this woman had to first realize what she had. And she had to understand that what she had was more than enough because all she had was a jar of oil, but the thing, the difference is, and I heard this one another they're preaching, it's, it's you don't have to be enough. And this is the last time, you don't have to be enough. You just have to get close enough to the one that is more than enough. And that is the key. And the, the thing is that sometimes we have learned to sell ourselves short of what we have and what we are able to do. And that's one thing my, my, my dad always tells me, like, never sell yourself short. Because right? growing up, I was a very pessimistic person. I will always think everything's going to go bad. And I, I don't have enough things. I don't have enough capabilities to do this. I'm not smart enough. They're going to say no. I'm not going to make it. And my dad said, you don't even know. You haven't even tried. So how do you know? And that's the way we are spiritually with God, where God can't use me. I'm not good enough. I messed up more than, more than everyone else. He can. I have nothing. I don't come from a family that serves God. I've gone through hell and back. God, I have nothing left to offer him. But God is still asking you today, what do you have? Because the whole thing comes to perspective. Because today, I guarantee you, when you get ready for work or ready for church or ready to go out, you look in your closet, and the first thing that comes to mind is I have nothing to wear. Right? Has anybody really thought about that? You look in the closet, I have nothing to wear? All right? Not me, right? I always wear, I wear the same clothes. I don't really care. You, know, you guys, you see the pictures, I wear the same outfits. It's like Novocaine, always works. But sometimes people, they look in their closets and say, I have nothing to wear. I have nothing. I got to buy new clothes. But yeah, if you step back, it's not that you don't have anything, right? It's all there. You look at your closet, you have a whole bunch of clothes. It is that you don't want to wear. That's a different question. But if you recognize what you have, you know you have more outfits than what you can choose to pick from. And it's the same thing with God. We have to change our mentality and stop thinking negative that I don't have enough. I have nothing to offer God. What do I have? I can't sing. I can't do this. I can't play an instrument. Nothing like that. Well, it doesn't matter, but what you have is more than enough. The question is you got to recognize what you have inside of you already. And that's what this woman had to do, was she had to recognize what she had. And the first thing that she had to recognize is that she had a jar of oil. And that's the key to everything. The next point is that the that the prophet told her you need to gather empty vessels, and this is and not a few. And this is the part where Elijah awesome. This is when people say the Bible is boring, or like you guys haven't read the Bible because this is like this is awesome right here. Because so he recognized that she had like a jar of oil, right? She has a little bit of oil. Thought she has. she's broke. He got no money. Her husband's dead. Using that time it's all about the, the man how to provide. Well, he's dead. He had a whole bunch of debt. All he had, all she had, was this and two sons. And so the next day, were going to be taken away from her. And yet, the prophet says, "Get vessels, but not ones that are full. They get empty vessels." And then Elijah takes it a, a step further. And this is where, when you read the Bible, when you read things, you got to pay attention to when you're reading it. Sometimes it's okay to read it every, back every like five times or whatever to get the point because it says, Get empty vessels, and then he finishes it off with, And not a few. Right? And not a few. And then there, that's a cliffhanger that keeps you going, Well, why not? What do you mean, not a few? What well, is a few? Right? And why empty? Right? Because he, he, was, he was about to prepare her for what was about to happen. Right, in Inca's class, right, for us to take English or literature, it's called foreshadowing. to—he was, kind of, was foreshadowing what was about to happen. And this is the thing about God, is that sometimes we ask God to move in our lives. We ask God that I need a blessing. I need you to work things out in my life. And I said, bless me and bless me. And God is saying to us, you need to get empty vessel and not a few. Because sometimes we're not ready to receive the blessing that God has in store for us in our current situation. Because, see, the prophet knew what he was about to do with the little jar of oil. But she wasn't ready yet. She had to go out and get empty vessels. And this is a hard part, too, because I would have to imagine in this small town where she lived, that everyone knew her situation. Everyone knew that the debt collector was coming for her kids, and she had nothing. And the crazy thing is that you're gonna have a, a a person who has nothing of value go and borrow something from someone else. And if you're a neighbor, would you be willing to let someone, would you be willing to let someone borrow something of yours, knowing that they have nothing themselves? So I don't know when I'm gonna get it back. But it says she sent out her two sons to all her neighbors and she got all the vessels that she could possibly get. Right? And this all ties back to obedience because Elijah told her to do this. And I can imagine usually when, when, we, when we go through trouble, and we go through situations, the hardest thing for us to do is to ask for help. It's to turn to our neighbor and ask him to pray for me and, and be vulnerable with one another. Because usually we don't want people to know what I'm going through. Right? That's when prayer takes over. Like, people, we got to make sure people understand that I got, I got it all together, that I'm well collected. Everything's fine. I have no problem paying my bills. I have the light turned on. Well, they think my light's turn on. I have enough gas. I, I, I can eat. I need everyone to know everything's fine when everything isn't fine. But yet this person, this lady, had to remove that pride and understand I'm in a dire situation. I need to borrow something that I don't have, that I can't get it myself. I need to ask for help. And she was obedient to the word of God. And she went and she was able to get these vessels. And it's crazy because when you, when you read verse 4, it's Elijah speaking. And Elijah tells her what to do. And in verse 5, it's the woman complaining what Elijah told her. So they mirror off of each other. Elijah said this, the woman did that. Elijah said this, the woman fulfilled that. The thing is about obedience, we don't get to pick and choose what we do and what we don't do. The thing is, sometimes we choose when to obey God and when not to obey God. Well, God, I'll, I'll, I'll obey this part of it, but not that part of it. And you see, the thing is about obedience, it doesn't mean you have to like it. It doesn't mean you have to understand it. Why? And I know it's hard, right? Because growing up, obedience as, as a kid is the hardest thing to understand or, or to follow through. Because we always, or I always thought, I would, I, not that I was smarter, but I knew better than my dad in certain situations. But I hadn't come to realize that it didn't matter. I just had to do it because it is in obedience that there was a covering over you. That when we obey God, when we don't understand why, because I don't think she understood why she needed empty vessels for. But he said, "Okay, I'm gonna get a whole bunch of empty vessels, and your friends and your coworkers may think you're weird and you're strange because you got to be obedient and you do things that they don't understand." And maybe we don't even understand, but that's okay. Cuz the Bible says that obedience is greater than any sacrifice. And that's and that's what this woman did, that he that he told her to get these empty, empty vessels and not a few cuz he was preparing her for what was about to happen. And that's what I think God is doing today is that he's telling us today that I have something great in store for you. You just have to get ready. You see, all the times we ask God for a blessing and to bless me, how many times have we asked God to get me ready to receive what He has in store for me? Because it is easy to ask God for the blessing. It's another thing to ask Him to prepare me for what was about to receive. You see, recently, a few minutes ago, we read Malachi three ten, and He says that He will pour out a blessing. Right? That it will be, it will, it will overflow. It will not be enough for. It will be not enough room for you to receive it. You have to get ready, and that's what God's about to do is that He's getting us ready for what we're about to receive. And the last note on this, in this section is that then He told her, You're gonna have to close the door behind you, behind you and your sons. And this is the part that I understand, but why close the door? Right? If God's about to do a miracle, why not just do it in public? Why not just do it in front of your house in the front yard and watch everyone see what was about to happen? But yeah, he told her, go and close doors. And I had to come to this because sometimes you're going to have to shut people away that will discourage you and, and tell you that it's not going to work because you'll always have people that will always tell you it's not going to work. That's not the way. You're looking really foolish right now. Going to church every Sunday. Going to a friend's church on Tuesday. Going to church on Thursday. Like, when do you have a life? You're going to look very foolish to your friends when you change the way you act, the way you talk, the way you behave. It's going to look very foolish. And unfortunately for us, we always want validation from other people. We seek the validation and the approval of our peers. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because we all go through it. right? No one can ever say, I don't care about other people's opinion. Because we kind of do, because that's where you get frustrated with other people. Right? And Elijah's saying this has this has nothing to do with anyone else. Your calling and what you're about to do for God and the blessing that God has in store for you it has nothing to do with everyone else's approval or, or validation. It has to do with you and him. That's what the Bible says. You need to go into your upper room, you need to go into your prayer closet, you need to shut everything away when it's only you and him. And there is no other distractions. Because the thing is, when you invite your friends and you invite other people's opinion, you get distracted of what's really going on and what's really focusing on what's about to happen. And this was about to be an intimate moment between them and God. You see, the greatest, the greatest blessing will ever happen to you, will never happen to you in public, it will happen to you in, pro- in private. See, in the Bible, no blessing ever came on the altar in public, it came in private afterwards but you have to be able to go in the private room of your life where no one else is watching you. When it's just you and God, because it's easy to come here and pray, it's easy to hear to lift up your hands and sing because we have a great praise team and you can't hear the sound of your voice singing. So it's a lot easier, trust me, right? It's a lot easier here to sing when you have great music and you have Kayla and Rilin and Kenya and all people singing and stuff. It's awesome. It's easy to follow along. It's another different thing when you're by yourself at home, and you have to turn off your phone, right? And so much is harder than not when you're not on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on all these other apps and stuff, or on just, on the internet, whatever you got to do. Just shut everything away and just be you and God. Because even that at times is hard. It takes a discipline to shut everything away and be God, it's you and me. I'm going to get my encounter right now. And that's what this woman, that's what Elijah wanted for this woman is that you're about to see God move in a way you've never seen before. But you have to get ready. You have to get serious about God. And in Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. But we need to hunger for the things of God. Sometimes I think we just hunger just for the blessing and not for Him. Something we always hunger for, what God can do for me. But we don't just hunger just for Him. Right? And we're all guilty. I'm guilty. Something like, God, use me, God. What about just, God, thank you for what you've done already. And thank you for who you are. So that I may know you and the power thereof. And she gathered all these empty vessels. And I would think that if this was a movie, the scene would be she's in a room... And she has a table full of empty jars, a bunch of different shapes of, of, of vessels. And all she has is one jar of oil. And she looks at the jars and she looks at the oil. And she's like, I don't know what's about to happen, but she looks like, well, we're going to follow God. We're going to trust in him. And that's the one great thing I, I take now that, that I'm married and I don't live with my parents anymore. That I appreciate what my mom did for me because She forced me to learn how to pray. And even though I didn't like it, even when I didn't want to, even when I would want to pray for a minute to get out of the room, she would stay and pray for an hour and I would have to hear her pray. Because in in those moments that I realized that prayer and your encounter with God is worth more than anything and will keep you in the times to come. So I realized that when she was there with her son, she looked at her kids And she told them, this is about to change your whole life right now. This next moment, all we see is empty jars are all around the table. All we see is these vessels, but we have this oil and we're about to see what's about to happen. And I can only imagine, he opens it up, the jar, and she begins to pour out in the first vessel and it gets filled to the brim and they put it away. And then she looks at the jar like, what's going on? It's like, okay, it's only one. And she does it again, and the second one gets filled. And they put that one aside. And they still like the same jar of oil. And she pours it again, and another vessel gets full. And now she's really trying to think something's really going on. She gives it to her kid, like, well, you try it, see what happens. And then her son tries it, and another one gets filled. And then their other son's like, well, let me, let me try it. And they get the same jar, and they pour the oil, and another vessel gets full. And then they just keep looking at the oil and the vessels and the ones that are full, and it doesn't make sense. And the Bible says that they pour oil, right? it doesn't have many, many, but it says that they pour the oil and the, until the woman said, give me the other one, and that suddenly there is no more vessels left. And it says that the oil ceased. But the whole key to it getting filled and for them to get their blessing and their miracle was they had to be able to pour out what they had. And the thing for us that we have to understand is that we need to be able to pour out of what we have for God. So many times we, we rely on the blessings of yesterday. We rely on the, on the prayers of our parents from yesterday. Right? And I'm guilty of that because I, I know my mom's parents so I'm not going to pray today. Like My mom's going to pray for me. But I tell my mom, my mom pray for me. She prays for me, like, all right, good, like, I'm good. And we rely on the prayers of someone else. And we rely on what God did for me yesterday, on what God did for me a year ago. And we're good there. And we're good that God is blessing me, that I have a good job, right, that I'm blessed, that I have a new car, and all those things are great. But God is saying that we need to be able to pour out of what we have, Because that is the key to everything. Because the Bible says that in in Matthew 9, 17, nor did he put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled. The wineskins are ruined, but they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. And with that, I'm saying that we have to stop being selfish of what God has done in our lives Because the first point was you need to recognize what you have. And what we have and what we sell so much is your testimony of what God has already done in your life. But we need to be able to pour out what God has already done in my life into other people, into other empty vessels. And we will begin to see what God can do in their lives. The question is that we begin to worry and care about the, our surrounding, about our neighbors, about our coworkers, about our friends, that the fact that they have a need, uh, and we can fulfill that need. Uh, you see, the, the supply will always meet the demand when it comes to the things of God. Uh, right? In the economy, it's by like, the law of demand, the law of supply. When the demand goes high, it means the supply has to go high, right? In order to meet it, or else there's the surplus in other things. But when the things of God, when there is a demand for God, when there, is a man, when there is a demand for a need to be filled, God will always supply it. There is not We're not in a, a scarcity that God will not supply our every need. But the thing is, we need to be able to pour out of what we have. Because when you look in the book of Acts chapter 2, the, book, the, the church started with an outpouring. It said that his spirit poured out up to the 120 that was in the upper room. And it was prophesied in Joel 3, 23, 3, 23 right? And it says, that, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And the key word is, that I will pour out of what I have. And the whole thing about us, that we need to be able to pour out what God has done in my life. Because if we be able to pour out what we have, God will pour into us something new that we did not have before. The problem is sometimes we rely so much on what we had before that God's like, I can't bless you with something new because you're holding on to something old. The thing is we have to be able to pour out what you have right now so that God can give you a fresh anointing for tomorrow. But we have to be able to let go and give everything that we have for God. Because in Matthew Matthew 9.37 it says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers are few. So the, the demand is there. The vessels are there to be filled, but someone needs to be willing to pour out of themselves and give everything they have to their friends, to their family, to their coworkers, and not expecting anything in return that God has been so good to me I got to be able to pour out on myself to them and tell them about the love of God, knowing that if I pour out into them, God won't leave me empty. Because the great thing about God, God can do great things with an empty vessel. Because if we're an empty vessel, it means he has room enough to fill it again. And that's what we need to become. And that's what he did with this woman. They had empty vessels and he poured it out. And they have to believe that if they got more vessels, it will begin to fill more and more and more because the pollen isn't the oil. The pollen is the vessels. Uh, the problem, there isn't enough vessels to be like, God, let me be used by you. Let me empty out what I have so that I can bless someone else. And the whole thing about being blessing is if you bless someone else, God will bless you abundantly more because we serve a God that does exceedingly abundantly more than what you can ask for. But God has to be able to see what can you do or what, you're, what, you, what you already have. Have, what can you do with what you have already if you just place it in my hands your testimony of what God has already done in your life I guarantee you it will save someone's life and that's the way it was in the old days in the church all they do is give testimonies and people will be saved because they will look and say well, he did it for you he can do it for me If he did it for you, he can do it for me. If you're in that bad of a shape, I know he can take me out of my situation. But he needs someone to be able to pour out of what they already have. But it requires a sacrifice. It requires for us not to think of ourselves, but to think of the need of the people. Right, that's why on the 28th, we have friends Day. right? And the whole thing is, if you have a need, if you have a friend, what would it take for us to pour out into them what God has done for me? Because if you truly want God to elevate you and to use you in greater heights, you need to be empty. You need to be broken. so That he can give you a fresh anointing. Because the Bible says that the blessings of the Lord are new every single day but we need to be empty to receive them or else they will spoil and we will not be grateful for what God has in store for us. Do it as you stand to your feet. As I begin to close, this woman was in a great need and at the end of it, she had more than enough. All she wanted was her kids to stay with her. He's had a debt that she's wanted to pay. But at the end, she left for more than what she asked for. As the prophet, to pay your debt and the rest that you have, you and your sons live off of. Because she knew she didn't have a husband anymore to provide. But the Lord provided her every need for her and her kids for more to come. And that's the thing you have to understand. As a God doesn't just want to meet your expectation, He's going to surpass it so much more. But you have to be willing to close everything off uh, and seek Him one-on-one and pour out of yourself so that He may be able to pour in of Himself into you. And that's how the church begins to grow. And that's how the world will begin to know that we serve a living God is because they're going to see vessels being filled that they've never seen before. Because the oil that was used back then is the same oil, is the same anointing that we have now. There is nothing that Elijah had that we don't not have. We have the same power. We just have to be willing to exercise it and pour out of ourselves. But with that, we have to recognize what we have, that we can no longer say, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to give. What can I add to the kingdom of God that can't be an excuse anymore? Because you have something very unique that no one ever, no one will ever have anymore. It's your story. No one has lived the same life twice. It's your life, it's your testimony. No one has it the same way. And that's what makes it so unique that the ministry that God has placed in you, no one can do but you. You have to value what you have and understand that if you don't fulfill the ministry and the calling that God has in your life, no one will. Because we all have something to do. We all have something to offer. We just have to be able to place it in the hands of God and just gather empty vessels and not a few. I could imagine Elijah could have told him, get 10 vessels. And they were able to fill 10 vessels. They told her, Get as many as you possibly can and not a few. So she got crazy and she got 100 vessels and see what happens. See what happens if you get 200 vessels and God doesn't move in your family, in your friends, in your job. See what happens and you get crazy enough to get as many vessels fit as possible in your home. And God doesn't begin to fill every single thing and you have a lot more left. But we have to be willing to trust in him and know that he is more than enough. And at this time, I I open up the altar and I invite you to come so that God may fill us with a fresh anointing. Let me tell God today, Lord, I'm pouring out everything I have. I'm emptying it myself. I'm not holding anything back in reserve for tomorrow. I'm emptying out everything I have right now. Everything that I have, every ounce that I have, I'm giving it all right now. Because I know that if I empty myself out, you will pour into me a fresh anointing, A new wine will come into me. And I invite you around to that up and be our cry today. there is a power when we pour out of ourselves because God will begin to pour back into us more and more and it will never cease. As long as there is an empty vessel, the oil will never cease. And let us just go before the Lord right now that he may just fill us one more time with his anointing, with his oil. And may we cry out to him and tell him, Lord, you can use me. Lord, you can use what I have. Lord, you can use my testimony. Lord, you can use my story. Lord, help me, my God, to pour out, to not hold back, my God, to not be ashamed. Lord, help me, my God. Lord, I may be able to pour out on myself. Lord, to me will be used by you. Yes, Lord, help us, Lord, right now. Lord, to pour out my God. Lord, help us, Lord, to pour out of ourselves, my God. Yes, Lord, help us pour out.
1: This is a hunger and a thirst. I am desperate. Immerse me and I'm not.